Reporting live from the IFCA convention in Covington, Kentucky. The Deuceology crew limping along, it seems. Yep. A little tired. It's late. It is late. And we're technically in the greater Cincinnati area, for those who do not know their Kentucky geography. It is the Cincinnati River Center Marriott located in Covington. That is correct. Like the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And here we are after the <laughs> main session on Wednesday. It yes. is Wednesday. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's been a long day. But the theme this year of the IFCA convention is reclaiming biblical fundamentalism, mm. which is quite the theme. Uh, you might be thinking of a variety of uh, topics when you hear fundamentalism, but what's really at the heart of this, Ken? How would you sum this up? I sum this up as historically, the concept of fundamentalism was a doctrinal movement. It wasn't a cultural movement. Today, there's a lot of cultural baggage that gets associated with the concept of fundamentalism. But historically, it really was a doctrinal movement. There was a reaction against what was called the modernists, and they were seeking to deny things like the inerrancy of the scriptures, the virgin birth of Christ, the resurrection, a whole host of issues. About a, a hundred years ago. About a hundred years ago. And the fundamentalists stood up and said, no, we do believe what the Bible says. We stand firm upon the word of God. And they, they articulated what became known as the five fundamentals. And there were a series of papers that were distributed. And you can actually still get the book today. It's a, it's a pretty thick book. Um, but it's still available today, and there's a whole host of different individuals that contributed to that. Uh, but that is really how fundamentalism became a thing and developed throughout history. Well, over time, there began to be different cultural things that became associated with fundamentalists and fundamentalism. And the theme of the conference this year is really seeking to say, no, we're going to try to do what we can to shed cultural fundamentalism, but we don't want to let go of doctrinal fundamentalism. Those things still matter. Those things are still things that we want to hold fast to because the scriptures are clear about those foundational issues. And that's really difficult uh, when you think about trying to preserve a word that has a ton of baggage. I yes. mean, dispensationalism is one of those words. Yep. <laughs> uh, now, fundamentalism. Evangelicalism has yeah, become that as true. well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so... It's, real, it's a really difficult task to try to preserve a word when it's acquired so much pollution. Yes. But uh, the word is around, and um, it, we're, we're going to be labeled as fundamentalists, whether mm -hmm. we like it or not. So we might as well seek to define it in the best way that we can. So that way, if people try to ascribe inaccurate pejoratives mm -hmm. upon us, we can say, actually, here's where we've defined it, and here's, here's what we mean by fundamentalist. Yes. Because when you go back 100 years ago, you had J. Gresham Machen and a, a bunch of respectable guys. I mean, you think about that crew that basically started the Orthodox Presbyterian Church denomination. They started Westminster there in Philadelphia. They uh, you know, were really influential guys, and in addition to those Reformed Presbyterian guys, you had the, the Dallas Seminary types, Lewis Berry Schaefer and others. And it's like, those guys were fundamentalists. Mm -hmm. And they were standing up against liberalism. Yes. But today, when people hear the word fundamentalist, Christian fundamentalist, they think of not that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, they think of King James only, biscuits yeah. sopping, 
uh, all kinds of you know goofy things that these right. preachers say. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the all the legalistic right uh, no, constructs. Yeah, no cars, no movies, no dancing. You know, you got to have. Your dress has got to go down to your ankles, you know, all kinds of different things. Or even into, so. yeah, like Mennonites and Amish or something. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's really uh, in the eye of the beholder, mm-hmm. which is a crazy thing. And so, and of course, and today, there, what is very popular right now is that documentary that was released on Amazon, Shiny Happy People. Yes. And in that documentary, you know, there were things that were, that were talked about and, and brought to light about IBPL and... Um, Bill Gothard and the things that were going on there. And in that documentary, there was an attempt to seek to paint all of conservative Christianity and all of fundamentalism as being that. And we, all of us here at IFCA, look at a documentary like that and rightly say, Bill Gothard and all of his ness, for lack of a better term, we reject all of that. We, we do not embrace the things that Bill Gothard taught and the things that he did. We, we believe that was unbiblical and should not be something that Christians engage in. But we're still fundamentalists. And yes. we, we, we want to separate this concept of this isn't fundamentalism. So when we having a theme about reclaiming biblical fundamentalism, which of course was set as the theme long before that documentary was ever set yeah. to release, uh, it, it becomes a very pertinent and very relevant theme in the midst of our current cultural moment. Totally. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, it's our goal to um, use this word rightly in a way that uh, reflects the heart of this movement that started yes. uh, over 100 years ago. Uh, but like I said, it's a, it's a big challenge. Yes. For sure. We, we, it, one thing that's been interesting at this convention is the different angles that we've all taken Hmm. you know we've had theological roundtables and Q&A's and main session speakers and seminars and all that stuff and we're all approaching that issue of uh, defining biblical fundamentalism and guarding against that nasty cultural fundamentalism that exists uh, the legalism and all that stuff but we're all doing it from different angles uh, which has been interesting what have you enjoyed or gleaned from what's been said so far? Well, you know, we're as members of IFCA International, we have recognized that there is there is a history of cultural fundamentalism, negative cultural fundamentalism that has had history within the IFCA. Yeah. And what I have appreciated a lot is how many of our speakers have been willing to come out and talk and speak to huh. that. I did not, I was not anticipating that they would speak so frankly to the history there, but we're recognizing it, we're, it's, I guess, owning up to it in a way and saying that's not who we want to be mm-hmm. and directly calling out individuals that, that may have be trying to lead in that direction and say, no, that is not where who we want to be. That is not the direction we want to go. So that's, that's been something that I've, I've been very encouraged by. Uh, is, is just rightly recognizing the, um, you know, a little bit of the history that, that has been there and seeking to do better in those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's one thing that comes to mind and answer that. I don't, I don't know if that quite exactly answers the question. but No, it was pretty open-ended. Yeah. Um, there have been several, like, pr- I guess, presentations of ideas that have been helpful to me or just even phrases, the way things have been phrased, that have been helpful. Like uh, this morning during one of the, I think it was a theological Q&A, 
Dave Dietz was talking about in the fundamentalist Baptist background he grew up in, and he kind of talked about it tonight in his main session too, how it was separation first, unity second, mm. and how biblical fundamentalism is unity first, and after you've exhausted every possible way to achieve unity, then you must separate mm. if you can't achieve unity. Yeah. Uh, how that was a, just a paradigm shift for him, going mm. from cultural fundamentalism, where it was basically you start off with judging, you start off with uh, condemning, and if someone meets all of your you know standards or checks all of your boxes, then you can have unity. Yeah. And biblical fundamentalism actually pursues true biblical unity on the fundamentals of the faith and um, separation is a last resort. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting way of describing that. I hadn't really heard it put quite that way. Yeah, that is helpful. That is really good. Now, at this convention, you had a seminar. Yes. Can you s- tell so us? So did you. I did as well. I want to hear a little bit more about... Uh, my seminar was a little bit off topic from the theme of the, of the convention this week. Um, I was a little bit more of evangelism focus. Uh, but yours is directly related to the theme of convention. So yes. speak to that a little bit about some of the things that you discussed in your seminar. Well, hopefully we'll have the audio coming out on the RSS feed yes. sometime soon. We don't know the dates when any of this is going to be released. But um, yeah, the title of my seminar was Understanding Deconstruction and Disentanglement and talking about how there are many people who have been associated with biblical fundamentalism, churches like ours, and through some sort of a conflict have shot off in a different direction. And I basically summed it up with three different options that most people choose, you know, one of the three. And it's not, and this isn't exhaustive, but I think it catches most people. One, they either deconstruct where they have human reason, science, culture as their foundation. They... Um, don't deconstruct, but they go to a doctrinal doctrinal minimalism where they disentangle from fundamentalism. They separate from separatism, mm. and they seek <laughs> unity in the big tent of Christianity, the the evolved evangelicalistic uh, evangelicalistic world that's out there. Or, and a third place they could go is this reform confessional movement that's really gotten some traction over the last mm. few years where uh, there's a depth of faith there that doesn't exist in big tent Christianity and it's obviously not apostasy it's like a different alternative it's very conservative it's very doctrinal it's not woke it guards against wokeism so it has a lot of things going for it but it has this foundation that is not scripture alone it adds uh, this reassurance these extra biblical reassurances of church history confessions creeds denominational structure etc and so uh, that makes it different than where we are because we would be biblicists in their eyes. Yeah. And that really gets into the confessionalism versus biblicism debate. But, but basically I was walking through the options that people have when they walk away from fundamentalism, whether it's deconstructing or disentangling, and then talking about how our local churches can minister effectively to those people even before they leave. Yeah, it's really good. One of the things that I really appreciated about... Uh, well, there's several things, but one of the things that was striking to me towards the end is you were getting into the application about how okay, how do we minister to people, and there's the element of okay, we want to we want to keep people from deconstructing, we want to keep them a part of our churches, but it's not at the expense of recognizing you know you, you talked about there have been legitimate abuses, yes, and there have been legitimate things that are causing people to walk away from biblical fundamentalism because it's been abused in different ways where it's, it's, it's it, 
fundamentalism isn't always biblical as in practice. And seeking to rightly address those things and say, no, these things aren't okay. We, we've got to clean this up and then seek to minister to individuals. We will have opportunity to minister to people who've been burned by fundamentalism yeah. in different contexts. And we can try to help them see, hey, you know, this is not the way it has to be. This is not all of fundamentalism. There's a biblical way yes. to live and understand and do ministry without those abuses. One of the things that was in my notes that I didn't say, because uh, I was having a hard time focusing on my notes. <laughs> I was distracted by my PowerPoint. Uh, but <clears throat> another angle, too, is not just people who have been burned by cultural fundamentalism who show up at our churches. But then you have people who have been a part of those bigger denominations hmm. who... Though, you know, some of those are falling apart, and they show up in our churches, and they're kind of taking a risk because we've always been like the fundamentalist wackos, but maybe they were United Methodists, and that's all falling apart, and now they're looking for something else. They're looking for a different answer. Yeah. So when they show up, we need to be able to minister to those people too, like the broken pieces of these bigger denominations. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of from both directions we need to be ready. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. And so you were. I didn't go to your session. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I went to uh, Jesse Randolph's uh, presentation about um, what does Athens have to do with the church, mm. uh, where he was talking about basically the Matthew Barretts and the guys like that out there who are really pushing Thomas Aquinas, and even into some Socratic and Platonic thinking that we have to embrace even uh, B.C., Greek mm. philosophy to understand the Christian New Testament. Mm. It's kind of an interesting conversation there but anyway while that was happening you were talking about church planting you were doing a church planting seminar yeah a church planting seminar focused on building a culture of evangelism within a local church how can you know one of the things that i think a lot of local churches struggle with is maintaining an evangelistic focus within the church that is part of the very culture and dna of the church where we so easily tend to gravitate towards having an inward culture where we're focused on the people that are there and wanting to minister to one another, which is good and important and necessary. But then we forget about the necessity of taking the ministry outside the walls of the church and ministering to the people within the community. And so we just uh, talk about just some of the things that I've learned through church planning that uh, I hope are transferable, you know, in different contexts. And that's one of the things I share is, is like, I'm sharing some of my personal ministry context and what I've observed and what I've learned and, and hopefully it's helpful for people. So talk through some of those principles. Well, that is definitely one of the hardest things to keep up. I mean, I, I think about our five core values in our church. We've got uh, Bible study, prayer, service, fellowship, evangelism, mm-hmm. basically, you know, summing them up. Always the two hardest ones to keep up, and I think this is on an individual level as well as a local church leadership level, are prayer and evangelism. Yeah. Which are like the... Breath and water of the local right. church. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean to ha- to develop a c- culture of perpetual evangelism yeah. is such a good thing to do. And yeah, any tips we can get on that would be great. It's too bad you didn't record it. It was recorded. Oh, it was recorded. Yes, good. I can get that recording, but I I just didn't record it independently of the oh, convention recording. Yeah, right yeah. there's the, so yeah. yeah. Well, maybe that'll be a good one to throw in the RSS feed too, huh? Could be. Yeah. We did a, an interview here while we were here. We did. Yes, with uh, doctors Corey Marsh and James Fazio of Southern California Seminary. They're the editors of Discovering Dispensationalism, a yes. book with several contributors. 
And that was a that was a good interview. Yes, it was. About an hour long. 45 minutes. Uh, 45 minutes, yeah. So we've had Dr. Corey Marsh on the podcast before when he released his book, uh, A Primer on Biblical Literacy. And that was a great interview then, and it was great to have him back on. Uh, the book, you know, a lot, one of the pejoratives that often come, gets leveled against dispensationalism is that it's a novel doctrine. It was invented by John Nelson Darby. And so it's only, you know, a couple hundred years old, you know. And Well, this book is... I'm, I'm not aware of anything else like it in publication, but it, it seeks to trace dispensational thought going all the way back to the first century and showing how actually, yes, John Nelson Darby did indeed systematize the modern concept of dispensationalism. There's, That's true. There is a book by Mark Sweetum, Sweetnam. I think he might be a podcast listener. I'm sorry if I'm saying your last name wrong. Uh, but it's something like it. It begins with sweet. <laughs> and he did, he wrote a book called Dispensationalism Before Darby. Yes. But I think he mostly went back just to the Reformation era. That's correct. And so yeah, this one yeah. goes back to the first century. Right. So obviously, and when you listen to the interview, because it's going to be, we're going to have that on RSS feed shortly. I don't know exactly when that's going to come out, but soon. One of the things that Dr. Corey Marsh mentions is how um, I completely lost my train of thought. Well, I think you were saying how Darby was the one who systematized it. Right, yeah. So we don't want to be anachronistic about like, oh, yeah, you know, going back to the first century, these guys were full-blown dispensationalists. Well, no. However, there is dispensational thought. There, there are things that reflect dispensationalism, things talking about like the concept of the rapture, a premillennial return of Jesus Christ, an actual physical reigning upon the earth. Those were things that were taught and believed and... They were there, all the going back all the way to the first century, and we have documentation of that. And this book is the foremost, I think, foremost authority on that at this point. Now it could because it's published, detailing all the uh, church fathers and different individuals down through the years who have taught dispensational ideas. What if archaeologists discovered like a second century? pre-trib dispensational chart. <laughs> that would be amazing. They find it in one of the caves <laughs> of Qumran. <Yeah. laughs> just, they scrawled in the catacombs. Yes. Now, here's, the, here's the seventh dispensation. It looks just like uh, the, whoever that guy was. They made like the book of charts. Larkin, Clarence Larkin. Yeah, you're talking one of about. Clarence Larkin's <laughs> charts is in a cave. <laughs> they dated to like 175 AD. Uh, that would shut up the critics. <laughs> yeah. Then they would have to embrace it based on their critique. Yeah. Hey, we're the now we're the oldest. Yeah, we are. Now you have to believe. <laughs> now you have to be dispensational based on your own standards. We can hope. By what standard? <laughs> we could hope. So yeah, that's what's going on here in Cincinnati. Uh, we've been pretty busy. I'm taking off in the morning, going to a Pittsburgh Pirates game, Lord willing, with my family. Brought my family here. We've yeah. been batching it. Yeah. You'll be here all day tomorrow. I will be here all day tomorrow. Leave on Friday. Okay. Very good. So. Yeah. Good time. Yes. Yeah, so you get to go to Gary Gillies. Uh, thing on Christian nationalism. I do. That's going to be good. That's going to be good. Gary Gilley's always good. Yes. So, very good. Yeah, we hope this is uh, helpful for our listeners. You know, I know we know that not all of you are IFCA. Not all of you share our doctrine. Not all of you share our convictions in a variety of areas. Uh, but I want to let you know about some of the things that are going on that we are fighting for biblical truth. And we are brothers in Christ that desire to see Christ magnified. We desire to see the gospel go out. We desire to see souls saved and lives transformed by the gospel of Christ. And that's what's happening in IFCA. And we're excited to see the ministry of IFCA go forward. So, uh, next thing on the feed will probably be that interview. 
with Dr. Corey Marsh and Dr. James Fazio. And uh, yeah, you just keep staying plugged in to our summer content, and we will start that new format for the show in August. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us, and we'll be back with you soon. There we go. Goodbye. Until Goodbye, my friend. Time.